Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Murder Games Podcast. Now before I get into this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who has listened, who has reached out that I know personally, and given me uh, a little few critiques and praises of how much they're enjoying this. So I just want to say thank you guys. This is for you, not for me. Although if I ever do, you know, go anywhere with this, that's awesome as well. But um, like I said, thank you. If you have any cases that you would like for me to cover, um, I do have a list about of about 15 so far. Um, but if there's something that you want me to cover, um, just send me uh, a DM on IG at the Murder Games Podcast. And, you know, if I don't have it on my list, I'll put it on my list and I'll definitely uh, cover it. Or if you have any critiques or praises that you want to give me, um, you know, send them there or you can um, email me at a murder games podcast at gmail.com. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll get into this episode. So on this episode, this story is about a kid named Tyler Hadley and he had one killer of a party. It was pretty bananas. Um, I don't know how to get an intro to this other than that, so we'll get into it. So, in uh, Port St. Lucie in Florida was near the Atlantic coast. It was 125 miles north of Miami and 150 miles south of, of Orlando. There, Blake Hadley and his wife, Mary Jo, moved from Fort Lauderdale in 1983 to be closer to Blake's parents. Uh, Blake's parents had uh, had retired and they were all close, and he was like really close with his family. So they decided to pack up ship and um, and to move to Florida to be closer to his family. Uh, Blake and Mary Jo were a compassionate and honest couple. Mary Jo was an elementary school teacher, and Blake was a watch engineer at a nuclear power plant where he worked for about 30 years. Now, I don't know about a, what a watch engineer is, but I'm assuming that's pretty good money, especially working at a power nuclear power plant. I don't know. But it was said that Blake was a gentle giant. He stood over six foot tall and was about 300, 300 pounds. And the only thing that ever came between the couple was when it came to disciplining the kids. Blake was a softy and Mary Jo tried to be the disciplinarian, but she was a softy as well, so it didn't work out too well. Blake was a big goofball and he would randomly sing and quote movies out of nowhere, and he was just an all-around jokester. Mary Jo was originally from Pennsylvania, my neighboring state, one of my neighboring states, but her family moved to Florida when she was in high school. People described Mary Jo with many similarities as Blake, being hilarious and having a dry sense of humor, and when they met, uh, they instantly fell in love. Aww. In 1987, they had their first child, Ryan, and six years later, on December 16th, 1993, they welcomed their second son, Tyler, who was born prematurely, unfortunately, weighing three pounds and ten ounces. Now, I know how that feels because my daughter was born very prematurely, and when she was born, she literally looked like an alien, and I was terrified. Uh, she weighed a little over one pound, so she was like one pound, um... I want to say, I can't remember, but she was one pound. Actually, I will tell you. I will look up a picture of it 
of uh, what it what it was, and I will tell you. But anyways, I'll tell you. I'll tell you here later. Um, let's see. Uh, during their adolescent years, both Ryan and Tyler seemed to have a great childhood and came from a loving home. But as uh, the brothers got older, they seemed to drift further and par- further apart. So one of them went one way to be this successful person, and the other one went another way to be this terrible monster. Uh, during their childhood, or during her childhood, and in her early adulthood, Mary Jo suffered from depression, and it was around that age of six that Tyler started to display the same type of issues Mary Jo had when she was his age. The Hadleys signed Tyler up for counseling, which seemed to help for a couple years, but eventually it wasn't enough. Now, for anybody out there who may or may not struggle with depression or have kids that they think uh, may struggle f- with depression, please uh, get help. Put them in, put them in, um, in counseling, or even you know, put yourself in counseling, because I know what it feels like to have. Uh, depression. I've been through it um, occasionally, and uh, it's not fun. Um, but anyways, like I was saying earlier, how my daughter was born prematurely, she weighed one pound, five ounces. Um, like I said, she looked like an alien, and I was terrified, but she is perfectly healthy and beautiful. So anyways, aside from that, yes, if, you, if you're going through uh, depression, seek counseling. If you know someone who's going through uh, depression, seek counseling. And if you don't want to do that, by all means, hit me on my email, murdergamespodcast at gmail.com, IG, murdergamespodcast. Um, or those who know me personally, hit me up on, on, my, on my Facebook and all that. Anyways, so at the age of 10, Tyler was prescribed Lexapro, which is an antidepressant. So he's 10 years old, showing signs of depression, and they put him on Lexapro. Between spending his first month of life in an incubator now dealing with depression, Mary Jo became very close to Tyler to the point where she became overprotective of her baby boy for whom she only wanted the best. Unfortunately, this combination would only make things worse. And at the age of 12, Tyler was already on his bullshit, vandalizing cars, setting fires to things, breaking windows, and even stealing. By the age of 15, Tyler was prescribed Adderall, which everyone knows what that is, it's an ADHD medicine. And he was prescribed Prozac, which was another antidepressant. So at the age of 15, he's doing all this bad shit on Adderall, Prozac, and I'm not sure whether or not he was still on the one that I mentioned earlier. So at such a young age, Tyler had already dealt with his fair of hardships, but life, uh, his hardships in life, but they just kept coming. At the age of 16, He began fighting bulimia and low self-esteem on top of depression. Mary Jo weirdly, I don't know why, suggested that he take hormone injections. I don't know exactly what that is, but when I see hormone injections, I think of HGH. I don't know if that's what it was, but in my mind, I'm thinking that's what it was. So despite everything he had been through, Tyler seemed like a happy person, and he was even described as a polite and respectful young man. He liked to play baseball with his dad, he liked to ride his bike, play football in the street with his friends. He was close to his parents, and oftentimes Tyler would stay up late 
to wait on his dad to come home from work so they could go outside and shoot hoops. Now, I have a son, and I like to shoot hoops with him because I beat him all the time. But besides that, it's something that me and him get to bond over, so I can definitely understand this. Um, and on the weekends, they would spend a lot of time out by the pool in the backyard. As a kid, Tyler was so difficult to read, and he was quiet. By the end of high school, he would be do a complete 180 of how he was as a child. He would be eccentric, unpredictable, and seemingly troubled. Tyler would be the class clown and would always try to be the center of attention. And in 2010, it would begin a downward spiral, what would eventually lead up to the night of his killer party. In the middle of the summer of 2010, Tyler and some friends found an abandoned couch. I don't know where you find an abandoned couch, but they ended up dragging it to the North Fork River Reserve, which was, I think, a wildlife reserve or something like that. They doused it in gas, and they set that thing ablaze. The fire department came out due to the extreme risk of you know the park going up in flames, but luckily for them, the teams were only given a warning. Mary Jo felt deep inside that she was losing control of Tyler, and Tyler's mental health wasn't improving either, and he was eventually put on hydroxazine, which is a mild anxiety medication, and even, I'm going to try to pronounce this, pronounce this, cytolopram, cytolopram, never heard of it, which is another antidepressant that raises the chances of suicide in young adults. Now, I don't know why they would have done this because he's on, you know, ADHD. He's got low self-esteem, he's bulimic, and all this other shit. I know they're trying their best to do what they can to, you know, get him um, get him in the right minds, mind frame. But adding all these medications and, excuse me, all this other stuff, it's weird. Um but in addition to being on all these medications, he started to drink and smoke weed all the time and even taking pills frequently and even tried his hand at ecstasy for the first time. Uh, in April of 2011, Tyler is now 17. The Hadley house is now somewhat quiet because Tyler's bro brother Ryan is away at college. So it's just Tyler and his parents. But P Tyler found himself being in jail charged with an aggravated battery for literally beating the hell out of his friend. Now, I've never been too bad or too mad at a friend of where I would want to beat the hell out of him, but, so, I mean, he obviously has uh, anger issues. Apparently, he had another charge of burglary under his belt and ended up having to spend one week in the St. Lucie County Jail and then two weeks of house arrest uh, resulting in the burglary. I guess he, I guess he might have already had that owner's record, and then adding, you know, aggravated a, a battery or whatever, you know, is the reason why he got all of this. So fed up with Tyler's behavior, Blake and Mary Jo took Tyler's phone, which you don't do that to kids, right? Which added to the friction between all of them because all of everything Tyler had done over the course of the years, slowly he started to feel hatred towards his parents. And I don't know if that made sense any, to any of you, but... Tyler's basically beginning to be pissed off at his parents all the time. Uh, they took his phone. I'm, I'm assuming he's grounded. And he's got all this shit going on in his head. So, you know, rage is penting up. Sometime in the beginning of summer, around June, 
uh, of 2011. Uh, Tyler came home very drunk, and it was at this time that that Mary Jo and Blake decided to send him to a mental health facility. I don't have the name of that one, but with worries of him eventually hurting himself and even talking about it to his family, since he was under the age of 18, it was in their legal rights to be able to do so. It was just one of those things that they felt needed to be done, that they were doing the right thing by their child. And obviously on Tyler's side of things, they're pumping uh, meds down his throat, and now they're putting and they're taking his phone away, so he has no nothing to keep himself occupied outside of, I guess, school and, and home. So he's he's just completely pissed off, and his brains his brains all messed up because of all the meds as well. But things started to look up with the treatment received from the facility, and it seemed like things were getting back to normal. The family even went to a reunion in Georgia where other family members said that Tyler seemed just fine and there were no signs of any issues. Um, so before I get into the next half of what happened and stuff like that, let me take a quick break and uh, when I get back, I'll resume. All right, so... Where we left off, Tyler's basically uh, getting fed up, and um, this is basically where the downward spiral uh, hits a dramatic uh, crescendo. So, on July 16th, 2011, at 11.25 a.m., Tyler received a Facebook message from Antonia Ramirez, and Tyler responded, What's up, bro? To which then Antonia responded, Chillin', what are you doing tonight? Tyler then responded back, trying to have a party tonight. Antonio then said, aren't your parents going to be home? Tyler then replied, nope, they're leaving soon. At 12.15 Tyler, uh, 12.15 p.m., Tyler posted on Facebook, party at my crib tonight, maybe. Numerous people responded saying that they didn't believe it because Tyler wasn't the type to throw parties nor had he ever thrown a party at his house, because with all the trouble that he'd been getting into lately, it was very questionable that he would actually go through with it. But still, they said to let them know what's up later. When asked about if it was if it was actually for real and legit, Tyler would say, yeah, I'm working on it. So later that evening at 8.15 p.m., Tyler posted again on his Facebook, party at my house, hit me up. Not sure how many people Tyler was actually friends with uh, or really knew since he was not that popular at school. And maybe you could just say he just was somewhat unknown. Yeah, so like at school, I guess he was probably in and out of school being suspended, I would assume, with his behavior um, in the past. Or he just wasn't any part part of the popular group um, because... He was just a jackass and, um, you know, a really bad kid. But the party was an open invite and was going to be huge, stating that his parents were going to be out of town. Having never hosted a party or even being known to be able to do such a thing, Tyler stated his parents would be out of town uh, and used that as an excuse to throw the best party he could. Oddly enough, with it being in Florida, there was nothing to do in uh, um, where they were. 
They weren't close to any beaches, and there really wasn't much for teenagers to do around the area besides drink and party and stuff like that. Surprisingly, 60 people showed up initially to the party ready to let loose. Somewhat funny enough, most of the people who had shown up didn't even know who Tyler was. Like I said, he was pretty... I guess he had his own sort of friends, but uh, the vast majority of people that he went to school with didn't really know who he was. As a result, they did not give a damn how they wrecked the house. They destroyed the couch, furniture, they played beer pong on the kitchen table, they ate any food that they wanted, trashed the front yard by throwing empty beer cans in it. Beer bottles were even thrown at the walls and the floor shattering into pieces, and cigarettes were even put out on the floor and the kitchen table. Uh, and walls, actually. The computer desk was absolutely trashed, looking to have a brown mess on which it could have been from soda or beer. So you know how, like, you spill some, you spill soda or something, you let it dry, and it's kind of sticky when you put your fingers down in it? Everyone just assumed that's what it was. Tyler would eventually be asked where his parents were, and he would shut them down by saying they're in Georgia or Orlando or that it was his house and they didn't live there. Throughout the night, Tyler would just be seen walking around, seemed seemed off, gazing in the distance, indulging in drugs, and, you know, drinking, just like everyone else. It was around midnight, the total rose to about 100 people in the house of Blake and Mary Jo Hadley, and it looked like it had been vandalized for quite some time. So just imagine going to a house that you don't even know who the person is that's throwing it. You walk in. And it's literally almost like a landfill, completely just, completely just ruined, completely, completely, completely ruined. Reports even showed that there had been bloodstains seen as well, not knowing exactly where it had come from, but assuming that someone just must have partied too hard. Um, I've been to a few parties in my life, and I don't remember ever seeing any blood, uh, but I do see, remember seeing remnants of uh drug paraphernalia um not used by me but uh some other people who just kind of like this party just showed up and not knowing who the hell it was um but anyways some guests were still playing beer pong and one of the balls fell off the table and ran uh, rolled into a brown sticky liquid same sticky liquid that was on the keyboard Grossed out by it, the guests decided to just wipe the ball off with their shirt, dunk it in the water, and they continued to play. At some point, a good friend of Tyler's named Michael, who had to be who he had been friends with since the age of eight years old, came to the party. Michael said that when uh, when he arrived, Tyler opened the door, and he can notice how Tyler was quote unquote rolling, um, meaning that he was definitely on something. Uh, I guess he took pills and probably smoked and stuff like that. So, And how much Tyler was fidgeting, and he was also said that he was really anxious. Somewhat, uh, somewhat enjoying the party, Michael said that someone came up to him, or he was in the vicinity of him, and he overheard it, and mentioned how it smelled like dead people in the house. Before all the alcohol was gone, Tyler asked his friend Mark, who was, who was 21, to take him down to the street and get more booze. Now, I remember when I was in high school and I had a friend like that, went to um, senior week after we graduated. A friend of ours had a boyfriend who was 21, 
and he was our, our he was our designated you know booze getter. I don't condone any underage drinking, but you know, went in Rome, I guess. Uh, while Mark was inside the store, his girlfriend, who had gone along for the ride, was just left in the car with Tyler. Tyler proceeded to tell her that his father had just died. Out of the blue, not even knowing, really knowing this chick. Not really knowing how to react, she tried to so, show sympathy towards Tyler. However, he didn't seem to too bothered by it, so why even say anything? He basically was making a small confession. So they returned to the party, and later, when Mark and his girlfriend were on their way out the door, Tyler had asked Mark if they could talk outside because he didn't want anyone to hear what he had to tell him. They go outside, and Tyler literally confesses to Mark. Dude, I did something. I did some things, and I might go to prison. I might go away for a life, dude. I'm freaking out. Mark then replied, uh, what are you talking about? To which Tyler said, I know you're not going to believe me. No one will believe me, but I killed somebody. Mark said back, dude, you're killing someone is your own business, and I don't want to hear about it. And I don't want to know. So Mark then walked away, and then another friend named Ricardo was leaving. And uh, as he was leaving, he just stopped to say, you know, thank Tyler for the party, thanks for the alcohol and stuff like that. Tyler said that he just wanted to do something before he left. Carla being curious, or Ricardo being curious, he asked Tyler where he was going, to which Tyler said, I'm going to go kill myself. Tyler asked him why would he do such a thing, and Tyler said that if he was caught for what he did, he would be in jail for a very long time. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't, you know, if, someone, if I'm at a party and someone's telling me these things, I'm probably definitely going to leave and you know, maybe you consult with local authorities. I, I, I would definitely be uh, taken aback by that. But around 2 a.m., Tyler asked Michael who he had known since eight, the, the guy that he had known since he was eight years old, to step outside to have another word. The two friends walked down the street, and at the end of the block is where Tyler confessed to killing his parents. Michael laughed it off, thinking that Tyler was just drunk and all that stuff, messing around. And Tyler said, Michael, I'm serious. If you look close enough, you'll see the signs. Tyler uh, told Michael to look in the driveway and to notice what wasn't, what wasn't missing. Michael looked in the driveway and was like, holy shit, both of their cars are still here. So Tyler's parents' cars were still here, but yet he's telling everybody they're in Orlando or Georgia or wherever. Tyler took Michael to the garage for him to have a look. Michael walked, walked in and noticed a bloody shoe print on the floor and blood was seeping from underneath the door, the door hinge. Michael clearly seeing that what Tyler's been saying is real, ran out of the garage, not wanting to believe what he is seeing and what he was being told by Tyler. Tyler then told Michael he had one more thing to show to him, and he led Michael to the master bedroom. The door was locked, but when Tyler opened it, all there was was a rush of stench, damn near unbearable, and what was in front of Michael wasn't either. Tyler had thrown everything that he could possibly find that wouldn't be needed for the party dining into the room. Dining rooms, furniture, blood-soaked towels, magazines, books, Clorox wipes, a broom, 
shattered glass drawers from dressers, uh, uh, some sort of coffee table. And at the very bottom of all of this mess, Michael could see a leg. So just picture you're at a party, your best friend that you've known since eight. He comes up to you and says, man, I killed my parents. Now, I've had some pretty ridiculous um, dark humor with some friends to where we wouldn't say anything like that, but we would say some outlandish stuff. And obviously we would know that we both would be joking about it. But imagine going to a party and your, your friend coming up to you saying, hey, I killed my parents. If you don't believe me, here's all the here's all the signs that lead to me doing it. So you go, you notice how the parents' cars are still there after he's telling everybody, you know, they went to Orlando, Georgia, or, you know, they that's just, they just don't live there no more. Walk into the garage and see a bloody, a bloody shoe print and then blood, you know, up around the door. And then you go to the bedroom, his parents' bedroom that you probably know it's his parents' bedroom. You open it up and there's like a really foul smell coming from it. And then you look down and you see a damn leg. So Tyler proceeded to tell Michael that he had taken his parents' phone earlier that day so they couldn't call for help. And then around 5 p.m., he took three pills of ecstasy. I also heard that he listened to uh, some song of Lil Boozy. If anybody knows who Lil Boozy is, he can get kind of hype into songs. Um, I wouldn't suggest to do that, but or if I were in this situation, then he definitely wouldn't be one that I would listen to to hype myself to do, help hype myself up to do something like this. But like I say, he took three pills of ecstasy. Then he went he, and he listened to that, listened to some music. Then he went into the garage and grabbed a claw hammer. So while his uh, while his mom was working at a family computer. Tyler stood behind his mom for about five minutes, just gazing at her, deciding exactly what he was going to do and how he was going to go about it. Uh, so as Mary Jo turned around, I'm not sure whether he she knew he was behind her or just in the vicinity of being in the kitchen or whatever. Tyler immediately began to beat the hell out of her and bludgeon her to death. As she screamed, Blake, who was sleeping in the massive bedroom, came running out. Seeing his own son killing his wife, they both locked eyes and uh, simply just asked Tyler why. Tyler then replied, why the fuck not? And jumped and leaped toward Blake and started beating him to death with the same hammer he just killed his own mother with moments before. So... You take three ecstasy pills, you get hyped, you go behind your mom, and you literally just kind of stalk her, I guess you could say. And it's like, I don't know if she was getting up or, like I said, she just noticed he was behind her and just happened to turn around. Literally just beats the hell out of her with this uh, this claw hammer. And then you as a father come out to see just the, the complete, I don't even know what you want to call it, and you lock eyes with your son, and you can only really ask him why. Why are you doing this? To which he says, why the fuck not? And then he, next thing you know, he's on top of you, literally beating you the same way that he just killed his mom. And I also heard that while he was doing this to his father, he's yelling, why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? So, yeah. 
Um, so Tyler then explained to Michael that after he has killed his parents, he wrapped their heads in blankets and drug them into the master bedroom, placing the dead lifeless bodies face down, side by side, and then put the hammer on the floor in between them. I don't know if that's symbolic for anything or not, but it, I mean, it's kind of weird to just not maybe get rid of the, the hammer, but instead of just leaving it, um, leaving it uh, in between them. Uh, Tyler then threw every piece of evidence that he could think of that wouldn't be noticed into the room, creating said hoarder-style pile on top of his murdered parents. It roughly took Tyler three hours to clean up the bloody mess, but he managed to miss a couple spots. Remember all the stuff that, that was all over the keyboard and in the ping pong, uh, ping pong ball. Yeah, well, that, guess what? That was Mary Blows, Mary Blows, Mary Joe's and Blake's blood from Tyler beating the hell out of them and killing them. In the aftermath of killing his parents, sort of dis disposing of their bodies and making the bedroom look like, like I said, a hoarder style, um, a hoarder style scene. Tyler took a shower stared at himself in the mirror and literally laughed hysterically like he was proud or just going through a psychomaniac uh, episode. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I don't know what that is, but you got to be pretty psycho to stare at yourself and laugh hysterically. I'm assuming in a, a Joker type of style. I don't know. Um, you know, but to do that after you just killed your parents, you're clearly a psycho. And shock from seeing and believing what Tyler had told him, Michler, Michler, Michael, who we said well, looked very pale. He then asked Tyler if he could take one last pick together, knowing it would be probably be their last time. Um, because like I said, they were best friends and he didn't know whether or not if Tyler was going to kill himself, if somehow the cops were going to find out and Tyler would be arrested, but he decided to take one more picture in that you can find that online. Um, if you follow me on my socials, I'll probably add that picture into one of my, my posts. Um, but Michael ended up staying for the part for the party for a few more hours saying He didn't want to leave because he wanted to gather as much info as he could regarding the situation um, you know, in case I guess police needed, needed anything or anything like that. Somehow word got around to people at the party. Um, and they started looking into the master bedroom where the bludgeoned bodies were under all the shit that was thrown on top of them. While people started to see all the signs, just like Michael did, um, hold up. With people starting to see what all the signs were and that something may have happened that they weren't aware of, some left and some stayed. One of the neighbors who had known Tyler since birth realized that some of the partygoers were spilling into their yard, so they decided to call the police. The police came not long after and knocked on the door. The lights immediately went out. Tyler opened the door and police asked if there were any adults uh, at the house. Tyler responded no. And then out of nowhere he said, I know I'm going to rid I know I'm going to Rock Road, so just take me. Um I didn't mention it before, but at this time the party was over and it was just Tyler at his house by himself. Um 
Pupils large, seemingly annoyed, acting very frantic and obviously on some sort of drug, the police handcuffed Tyler in the driveway. Police then started walking to the house towards the master bedroom, and while they were making their way there, Tyler yelled from the driveway, yelled, yelled to them to stop and that they couldn't go in there. Ignoring his plea, obviously, the police forcefully opened the door only to see the destruction of the house and made their way to the master bedroom where they saw what was clear to them as blood smears and stains on the floor and the walls. They had to force their way into the bedroom, and once they did, they saw total filth in the pile that was made by Tyler underneath it all, and underneath it all, they could see the bodies of Blake and Mary Jo. Uh, and now, before I could wrap this up, let me um, take one more break, and when I come back, I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up. All right, so Mary Jo's autopsy showed that she had defense wounds on her hands, her wrists, and arms, meaning at some point she was she tried to defend herself from Tyler's rampage. I'm only going to list a couple things, or more than a couple, but not everything. Uh, she suffered a fractured spine, seven broken ribs, a punctured lung from the broken ribs, and about seven blows to her head which was said to be uh, pulverized and crushed like an egg. Blake's autopsy was much more worse than his poor wife's. It was shown that he had beat that he was beaten ruthlessly because he was harder to take down. Like I said earlier, he's about six foot or higher or taller and about 300 pounds. Um, and Tyler at this point um, was nothing near that. Um, so his injuries included a broken nose, lacerations on his forehead and inside his ear, evidence that the round side of the hammer had been used against his temple. So if anybody knows what the what a hammer looks like, obviously, there's a round end and then the other end is used to take out um, nails from boards and stuff like that. So he literally took the hammer and was beating his dad's temple like a nail. Um, his skull was also caved in and had lacerations on his brain, and he took about 12 blows to the head. He had long cuts on his neck, bruising on his chest, 11 injuries to his right arm. His elbows were lacerated. His humerus bones were broken on both legs, arms. I can't remember where that's at, but uh, his fibula was shattered, and he had about 10 blows um, to his legs. In total, he had 65 wounds on his entire body. Taking hours to get things situated, police collected the hammer, and then they searched for the house, searched the house, finding many prescription drugs, Tyler, that had been taking for his depression, his ADHD, and his other issues. In the early hours of July 17, 2011, news had broken about what happened through the sleepy town of Port St. Port St. Lucie, which eventually made its way to Ryan, you know, his brother that was away in college. As if college wasn't hard enough, Ryan now was faced with having to deal with losing both parents at the hands of his brother, as well as losing his brother too. I also heard that since 
Uh, Tyler, Tyler was only 17. He was considered a juvenile. So Ryan had to take guardianship over him. Um, so yeah, he had to come home from college. He had to take, he had to deal with, um, you know, the death of his parents at the hand of his brother. And now he has guardianship over his, over his brother. I couldn't even imagine that, but at the funeral, over a thousand people came to pay the respects to Blake and Mary Joe. Ryan decided that he was going to go to, to the jail to visit Tyler because he said that's what his parents would have wanted him to, wanted him to do. Uh, some of the partygoers had plenty to say after the fact and blamed Blake and Mary Joe. One girl even stated that his parents were the cause of all of this because of their overprotection and seemingly wanting him to be perfect and not let him be who, who, tr who he truly was. And that Tyler's parents, like I said, were to blame. Uh, in case you haven't been following have you been wondering how he was able to furnish all these all this this whole party well after he killed his parents he cleaned up the mess showered laughed insanely listened to a little boozy yada 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 he took their bank cards and he went to an atm and withdrawed five thousand dollars out of out of their account to go buy the booze and food and all this other stuff so not only did he kill them you know very badly he went and stole their money as well. Police would learn through what little amount of friends Tyler had that he actually had dreamt of doing this, killing his parents and throwing a party while their bodies were in the next room. Um, so some of the stuff that I read, uh, he was at a, uh, um, he went to dinner, I think a night or two before this. And ran into a friend and some for some reason said that uh, he was having a party um, in a couple the next day, I think it was, and that he should come there because it was his friend's birthday. And um, he said, you know, hey, come to my house. We'll, we'll celebrate your birthday. So already there the day before he um, was already planning that. Um, and I heard. Uh previously it was about three weeks out that he was kind of talking about it and hinting about it but i guess no one really took him serious um so three weeks he had already premeditated and maybe even longer about doing all of this you know all because his parents loved him dearly tried to do everything they thought they could to make sure he had everything to accommodate his his mental issues his uh low self-esteem his bulimia and everything else and you know he just wasn't wasn't having it so really the only thing that they could think of next was to take his phone and that was probably like his last straw so on march 20th in 2014 tyler was sentenced to life for the murder of his parents i think he was given two life sentences and he was only not given the death penalty due to his age when he was arrested. To this day, Tyler remains behind bars with no hope to ever see the outside. I did see that he got a different uh, trial from when he did become an adult, and he was still given two life sentences. Um, while in jail, he Tyler wrote a letter to a friend stating, I regret everything I did. I swear it was the drugs. 
I was just living my life as a normal 17-year-old, and the next thing I know, I'm in the St. Lucie County Jail. I ruined a lot of people's life, and I can't seem to forgive myself, and I find myself crying due to all the guilt. The devil had a hold on me. He talked to me, and I listened. That's why I seemed crazy towards the end. Although Tyler said these things, it's hard to believe because while in prison, another one of his cellmates said that he would call himself Hammer Boy. And when new inmates would come in, he would walk up to him and say, Do you know who I am? It's me, Hammer Boy, or other variations of that. Uh, so what makes this story even more heartbreaking is that you can see uh, Blake Hadley in the frame I'm not sure if it's still there, but if you go to Google Maps and if you were to know their address, I didn't, I don't know what it is. You know how on Google Maps it, you know, has picture by picture of each address and each foot of whatever of the street view. Well, if you go to their address, you'll you can see um, Blake, the father, walking into the house. So he's alive in spirit on Google Maps, I guess, um, but. He is no longer, um, you know, around due to his son. Um, so that is the story of Tyler Bleeping Hadley, a kid born prematurely, suffering from depression and stuff at an early age, uh, being on many, many medications um, from a anywhere from, you know, antidepressants, ADHD, ADHD medicine, um, to uh, what I assume is HGH, um, and then you know just completely spiraling out, spiraling out of control, and leading to his uh, leading to him destroying his life and completely annihilating his parents, and then um, you know getting getting caught and going to jail forever. Um, so I hope you guys and guys enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't you know too you know, out of order and that it made sense and stuff like that. Like I said, get your kids all the counseling that you can get. Get yourself all the counseling that you can get. As far as I'm concerned, his parents didn't do anything that I wouldn't have done and probably did more than what I would have done in that situation. Um, because after a certain point, I don't want to say you got to give up on your kids, but they're out there. Setting fire, setting fires to couches in a public um, wildlife reserve, stealing and drinking, coming home drunk at a very young age, and you know just doing all the crazy shit that he did. It's it's I I don't know whether I would or not, but all I know is that they did everything they possibly could because they loved their they loved him so much, and in the end, it just wasn't enough and some could argue maybe drove him to do all this uh but yeah that is the story of tyler tyler Hadley. hope you guys enjoyed um i thank you there are actually his brother ryan wrote a book about all this and it's called a thousand fireflies i didn't get to read it but i heard it's very good and you'd have to find the reasoning in that book as to why it's called a thousand fireflies I don't know what it is, why it's called that. Um, I'm not 100% sure whether or not there's anything on ID channel or the Oxygen True Crime channel or anything like that. But 
you're more than free to go, you know, look it up yourself. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you liked it. Keep coming back. And uh, well, we'll see you next episode.